You're listening to the SBNY Podcast. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Thank you guys so much for tuning in today, especially for this episode. Uh, at the end of last week, I had a great opportunity to sit down with a guy who goes by the name of Nate Stupar. And if you don't know him, you're going to get to know him throughout this episode. But he is a linebacker for the New Orleans Saints. Has spent some time in Atlanta, some time in San Francisco, and he made his upbringing in the game of football at Linebacker U. Yes, Nate Stupar is a graduate of Penn State. But today I'm coming at you live, just recording this little intro from Vail, Colorado. I'm about to enjoy myself a great little vacation, but I didn't want to leave the SBNY listeners out to dry. So I sat down with Nate. We had a great talk about NFL draft, rule changes, his come up in the game of football, some of the great guys he plays with, Sean Payton, Drew Brees, all that fun stuff. So stay tuned. Hopefully you guys enjoyed. Let me know what you think. Hit me on Twitter, at Kennedy with two Ys, or if you feel so kind, leave a rating review on iTunes or Apple Podcast app. Let me know what you think. But this is the Sports Blog New York Podcast with special guest Nate Stupar, New Orleans Saints. Stay tuned. What's up, everybody? You're listening to the SBNY Podcast with your host, Peter Kennedy. Today, I am joined with a very special guest sitting here with me on the phone, New Orleans Saints linebacker. His name is Nate Stupar. Nate, thank you for taking taking some time and doing this interview, man. Glad to have you. No problem, man. Thanks for having me. Excited. So the unfortunate place where we have to start here with this interview uh, is that you suffered a pretty serious injury last year. About week six, you did... One of those injuries that everyone's afraid to hear now, you tore your ACL, right? So ended your season, set you back mm-hmm. from what looked like a promising start, had a good 2016. Uh, just just for starters, where are you at now in the rehab process, and, and how are you doing? Uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a tough break, man. Uh, yeah, definitely something you don't want to happen. And uh, it's, not as, it's not as bad as you think. Surgery wasn't really too bad and everything, and it's just the rehab process takes so long to recover you know because there's really not a lot of blood flow in that ass in that kneecap area where the acl is so it just takes a little bit longer to heal um but yeah it's, it's going well man i'm uh close to six months out close be, to being cleared to do activities with the team so uh, i head down i think the 12th to see dr andrews and see did my surgery and uh yeah things are going really well running jumping cutting so exciting times that's the guy huh dr andrews man he's like a legend in the in the sports <laughs> world for this stuff i know that i i asked my agent and uh some other people and they're like yeah dr andrews is the guy and uh even my doctor back home my uh who uh worked on my knee before but i mean it was minor surgery um dr suey he actually worked under andrews so it's kind of like a little small world that like Hey, he he knows what he's doing. He's doing something right. Yeah, and the funny thing is, you know, I, I first started hearing his name with baseball guys with the the Tommy John or whatever he was doing. Now he's just everywhere. He's doing all the sports. He's doing all the surgeries. All the biggest guys who unfortunately <laughs> need it, they're they're turning yeah. to him. So it seems like you're in good hands. Uh, but I want to ask you quick. So after the injury, week six of the season last year, the Saints obviously had a really great season. Uh, you posted on Twitter and you said, in the famous words of Schwarzenegger, the one we all know, you said, "I'll be back." Hashtag Stoop Life. Uh, and added the Saints. Are, are you living up to your tweet post injury? Are, are you on your way back? Are you going to be back better than ever? Uh, I, that's what I'm trying to be. I mean, obviously, I just turned 30, 
uh, March 14th, so I'm in the big 3-0 stages of my life. Congratulations. And, uh, I'm, I'm feeling good, man. Uh, eating really well and uh, enjoying my time with my family, my kids, and just having a really stronger purpose of going in and working out and trying to have a stronger comeback. And uh, I, I, I'm on year seven in the NFL. I mean, I'm pro. My, my, my career has been more than I expected, you know. So I'm excited for the next couple of years and try to make them the best years possible and uh, try to make even bigger impact than the previous years. That's fantastic, and now and now you're part of a team, uh, the New Orleans Saints, obviously, who who made a good little playoff run last year. We'll probably yeah. wish they made it a little bit further, but that doesn't mean they can't come back strong and do it again. So I'm sure you're going to be glad to be part of that. But before we jump back into some stuff about the Saints and you know your Hall of Fame quarterback and coach Sean Payton and Drew Brees, I want to pop back a little bit further because you are a linebacker, Nate Stuper of the New Orleans Saints. You hopped around, you played for the Falcons, a couple other teams, but your your big chunks have been with the Falcons and Saints. But even before that. You were a linebacker at what a lot of people like to call linebacker you. You are a Penn State graduate, four years, over 200 tackles in your career. You went to linebacker you, man. Um, but this, the real special thing about you going to Penn State is that you're actually from, I believe, from State Park, right? You're from Pennsylvania, from that area? Yeah, they, they call us townies. We call ourselves townies for there. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm from State College. Uh, I... I went to school three miles away from my house, and uh, I wanted to chose a. I was a defensive end and tight end in college in in high school, and I knew I wanted to play linebacker. But I'm like, where am I going to go to try to be the best linebacker that I can be? And at that time, Ron Vanderland, linebacker coach, was pumping out guys of like Paul Plazanzi, Sean Lee was a big name, Navarro Boom, and Josh Hall was doing really well. Um, Tom Bali, um, Dan Connor, so like just people like that. And obviously, right now, I mean, you have you have uh, when I was playing there, you had Joe Hodges who's still playing, who was actually here, Mike Motti, who was here last year, me all on the same team. So, I mean, it's just crazy how many linebackers are from Penn State are in the league. And Mike Hall, I can't I can't forget Mike Hall. Mike Hall is balling. He, I think he just got tendered with Miami Dolphins very proud of him and everything he's gone through going undrafted and balling at Penn State and going to start and getting interceptions in games so I mean it definitely carries a powerful uh, image of what a Penn State linebacker is absolutely so my, my question for you here is more of a personal question I guess you know when a lot of people go to college they want to get away you know like I when I went to my school I only went from New York into a college in New Jersey but I still was uh, over an hour away. I lived on my own and all that stuff. Uh, did any part of you want to get away, or was Penn State always the dream school for you? Uh, my, my top three going into my senior year was uh, West Virginia, Virginia, and Penn State. And my brother was at UVA, and I always had a dream of playing with him at some point in my career. It never, it never fully happened, but um, – I almost went to Virginia, but I also wanted to do film and video as my degree. So, I mean, a lot of people don't know what they want to do, but I knew what I wanted to do. And I fell in love with film and video classes at State College with Miss, uh, Mr. Lisi. He really uh, made it fun and energetic, and that drove me to go to Penn State, too, because Penn State had one of the top two or three uh, film schools in the country. So um, I had really fun going to classes and learning about movie production and lighting 
storyline. You know what I mean? So, Absolutely. That-, um, that was another major factor because um, that, none of the other schools had that. So you truly were a student athlete, I guess. Yeah, and I was the same major, man, yeah. so I totally feel you. It's a fun one. Yes. Yeah, man. All my friends, you know, finance majors, you know, doing Excel projects and all these uh, business plans. I'm out here writing papers about movies. I, I, f- I felt pretty good about it. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a more of a – I'm not much of a numbers and, like, super into reading and stuff like that. I'm more of, like, an artsy, creative mind. If anyone who knows me, I'm a very – corny fun loving goofy person so uh, definitely uh worked out for my case i even saw uh in your time in atlanta you were doing like these little mini videos with fox sports so i guess maybe uh, after your career is over we might be able to see you uh on our airwaves maybe tv a little radio is that is that possibly <laughs> in the future maybe my, my my agent wants me to get into radio and stuff like that he says i have a really good personality for the radio not much not much, so much the face but uh oh the, come the on voice for the radio. <laughs> i see i seen that you uh come on you've been you've been growing the the fresh beard and i know early on in your career you had a little beard going but now you got you got that thick beard now that's a bit that's a big move up oh uh, it's not it's not thick compared to my my younger brother my brother <laughs> has like a five o'clock shadow by three o'clock like he's he can grow a beard mine mine's it, it takes me a while but uh, <laughs> like my camp beard i start my camp beard a month in advance so it looks pretty good hey man better late than never no no one needs to know, <laughs> no one needs to know when you started it off um real Don't quickly though uh i want uh, you mentioned sean lee and navarro bowman those are two names that i had written down because not only did they go to penn state as well right but you played with them mm-hmm. they, they were the upperclassmen when you were when you were the underclassmen yep. Right, so yep. you also were lucky enough to play with Navarro Bowman in uh, your stint in San Francisco when you were on the 49ers. Mm-hmm. Did those two guys specifically like help pave the way for you at all, uh, whether it be at Penn State or moving on to the next level? What kind of impact did they have? I don't know if they paved the way. Um, the person I would say who paved the way for me would be my older brother, Jonathan. Um, I mean – my uncle is Jeff Hostetler. He played for the Giants, won Super Bowl twenty five, played for the Raiders and Redskins and whatnot. I had a fifteen year career. But um, no one ever heard of the name Stupar. So the first time my brother was becoming an athlete, you know, going through the school system and stuff like that. He originally started at quarterback, but then they wanted uh, a different quarterback. So he's like, Dad, I want to play so he changed the tight end. And little did he know by when he changed that decision in eighth grade or ninth grade, I forget when, he ended up playing three years for the Buffalo Bills as a tight end and went to UVA as a tight end. And he kind of paved the way of uh, for that Stupar name, you know, gained that name out there. Like, oh, who's this kid? Who's this kid? Oh, oh, that's what his family's known for. You know what I mean? So uh, big props to him and everything he had to fight through and very proud of my older brother and everything he accomplished. That's awesome, man. You know what? You actually, uh, you you brought up your uncle Jeff Hostetler. He has a very very unique place in the fan in the hearts of Giants fans. I mean, you're on the Sports Blog New York podcast right now. Nate Stuper of the New Orleans Saints. Probably, like you said, people wouldn't put that together. I was going to bring that up later on, but since you brought it up now, so you're you're a young guy. You you were uh, you know you were very young uh, when he was uh, still in the league, right? So I don't know. If <laughs> yeah, specifically... I, re- I remember going to a game and. Uh playing in parking lots of Oakland Raider games and the craziest Oakland Raider fans and stuff like that. So, so that, does that mean you were, you were just engulfed in football as a youngin, right? When did, when do you say yeah. that you fell in love with the game? 
Um, I don't know, man. Ever since I could walk, I mean, uh, football is such a big part of my family. I mean, my dad played at Penn State. All my uncles kind of played at Penn State. Uh, Jeff Hostiller played at Penn State until he transferred to West Virginia. Then my other uncle put, was his starting left tackle for him when he was quarterback there. And then my other uncle played baseball at Penn State. So, uh, like, football is just ingrained in us. I mean, we were growing up learning how to throw the football, catch the football, and just uh, going to his games and at family events like uh, Thanksgiving when we all get together, we'd go to the field and just play, like, football, you know? So, I mean, it, early on, it was just, like, it was like life, you know? It was just something that really – taught us a lot about perseverance teamwork and hard work and um i love the game such a fun game such a emotional game such a defining game of are you gonna quit or you're gonna run to the challenge and try to win you know every single play you never know y'all you gotta win every single battle you might lose some but you gotta win more than you lose absolutely and uh, i guess you learned the hard way that you don't know when it might be your last play of the season, too, so you got to give it your all. And obviously now you're working back from that. But you mentioned how you've been in love with this game since you could remember. But was there a specific moment, whether it be, you know, it could be as early as high school, maybe earlier, maybe while you're at Penn State, where you realize, like, holy hell, like, this can be my job. Like, this is going to be my future, and I can make it to the NFL. Was there a specific moment where you realized that? Um, I don't know. I, I knew in high school that I had – the athletic ability to play at the next level but I always like in high school you don't know your skill until like you look back on it you know what I mean of like, course I knew I was good in high school but like every single play I was just like go 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 like I have to make this play after this make make this play and I think that's what made me so good in high school because I had such a high motor and uh that I get to college and I the first couple of years is learning linebacker you know trying to figure it out and technique because it's completely different and learning defenses and coverages so a brand new world to me from having my hand down on the line and so I think middle of my college career I'm like I know I could play special teams in the league because I, I was a great player in college but um, I remember after I was cut from the Oakland Raiders and I had a period of like I think eight weeks off just living at home and i remember just seeing my car being like i know i can play in this league i just need a shot you know and i remember i was listening to the radio uh pandora i believe the station was on and i was going to the chiropractor and the the song comes on it's like a southern gospel you know how like they just keep preaching like preaching within the song and she was saying, it's not over till he says it's over. It's not over till he says, he says it's over. I just kept on repeating, and I just believe in that. And literally, like, that week, the Eagles called and signed me to practice squad, and I left them to 49ers, made the 49ers. I went to Jacksonville, Jacksonville, Atlanta, Atlanta, then the, uh, the Saints. So, I mean, it's a crazy journey, but I won't trade it for anything. And I guess uh, from that moment in the car, you know, going through Jacksonville, making a run into the playoffs with the 49ers, and then so on through Atlanta and through – oh, right after Atlanta, you ended up getting signed with New Orleans for multiple years, right? So mm -hmm. through through your journey of getting released, get, getting a, on a practice squad, getting on a full-time roster, 
when you got that that notification from whether it be your agent or however that however you found out, did it bring you right back to that moment in the car? Yeah, I remember when I first made the 49ers squad. Um, I had a really great preseason. That was with Navarro Bowman, Patrick Willis, and learning behind those guys. I learned a lot behind those guys, and it was such a blessing to be able to do that. And I remember every guy was like an all-pro player on that team of that Super Bowl run year and stuff like that, and they're expecting to do the same thing next year. And I killed a preseason and everything like that, and uh, I got injured with my elbow and fought through in the game. And I ended up, I think, leading the NFL in tackles on defense for preseason, and I missed a game. And I remember going to that meeting, and Coach Harbaugh was just like, hey, you guys are the guys, like, hey, welcome to the team. And I'm sitting next to Navarro Bowman, Patrick Willis, and uh, Kaepernick. And uh, it, was, it was just a surreal moment. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I just freaking made the 49ers roster. That's amazing. These guys are like all pros, I, and I had to act cool. You know what I mean? You had to act. Okay, <laughs> this is just like every day, you know. <laughs> you just got me a little jacked up right there, man. That's yeah, that's but, awesome. I mean, it's, it's very humbling because like you look back and you're like all the hard work, all the plays, all the time you put into it, and it finally pays off, and people actually see it and respect what you're doing and everything like that, and took a chance on you. I'll always be thankful for Coach Hallball and 49ers when they gave me my first shot of playing on a team, you know. So. Now, wait, now that uh, your former coach, Coach Harbaugh, is at Michigan, can you root for him at all? I mean, a little bit of a rivalry there, no? Uh, I mean, I, I like him as a coach. <laughs> but Penn State playing Michigan, I'm going Penn State all day. That's what I like to hear, man. I, I mean, that, that, was a, that was a layup right there for you. I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> <laughs> you can't trick me. <laughs> of course. Uh now you said you play with Coach Harbaugh, you play with the Niners, you play with, I mean, with the Falcons. You see Matt Ryan work every day across the ball from you. I'm sure you're going up against him in practice. And now, now you move over to the New Orleans Saints, right? And, and that's another team that's won a Super Bowl uh, in the past, whatever, 10, 12 years, whenever it was. Um, they have a really strong culture, obviously, being in New Orleans, having Sean Payton, having Drew Brees. I, I, the, the fans down there are insane for all the right reasons. Um, what is the culture like in New Orleans playing football? Because the Saints is that city's team. You know, a lot of team, a lot of cities have a, a little bit of a split between maybe like you know, NBA and NFL or MLB and NFL, yeah. yada yada yada. But New Orleans is Saints town. So what was that like for you joining that squad? Uh, it was awesome, man. I mean, it, it, it's such a cool, such a cool city. There's so much to do, so much amazing food, so much amazing people. And it, it's it grows on you. Like the first couple, the first like year took a little bit to kind of like figure out where everything's at. You know, trying to get to meet new people and new teammates and where to go, baby. And I remember last year was just awesome with just going out to dinners and exploring. You know, on one of the the boats on the Mississippi having dinner and going to the going down the bourbon for the restaurants and uh, the warehouse district there's so much there's so much identity in the city they know who they are and they have they don't they don't uh, they, they just love who they are you know what I mean they're they know who they are and they love it they're not gonna go against it at all 
and they're diehard fans. And I mean, it's so much fun to play in front of them. And I want to trade it for the world. And you guys have quite the fearless leader in Sean Payton. Now you've had a handful of coaches who you can call, you know, studs, legends, whatever you want when you're talking about Harbaugh, Paterno, all this stuff, right? What is something about Sean Payton that when you were there for a little while, you it just clicked with you like, wow, that's why this guy is Sean Payton. That's why this guy is one of the best coaches. What does he bring to the table? He, Sean Payton is a very relatable, down-to-earth, fun guy. You know what I mean? You, like He's a guy that you want to play for. You know what I mean? You can have coaches, head coaches where like, you're like, yeah, like I'm playing for myself. You know what I mean? But like on game day, you go out there like, hey, I'm playing for coach. And you don't want to do anything to screw something up and get him mad. You know what I mean? You want to earn that respect from that man because he's earned so much respect within the NFL. You know what I mean? And uh, he's, he's, he's a funny dude, and he relates to the players and stuff like that. I remember during OTAs, he took us all go-karting. You know what I mean? And uh, he's really very smart and very enthusiastic, and I love having him as our coach. And it just seems like an amazing pairing. When you put Drew Brees with Sean Payton, right, Hall of Fame quarterback Drew Brees, mm-hmm. they, they seem like a, like a perfect fit, like a match made in heaven, where, <laughs> where maybe, now tell me if I'm wrong here, this is my complete outsider's perspective guess here, Sean Payton probably, uh, they, can they play a little good cop, bad cop sometimes, or, or do they kind of run on the same wavelength? Because I feel like Sean Payton can turn up the intensity to, to an angrier level where Drew Brees is just calm, cool, collected at all times. Uh, I, to be honest, I don't know. I mean, I don't think I see their interaction that much on game days and stuff like that, more towards the defensive side. But, um, I mean, there's obviously times where Drew can come off and get heated too with, like, if he had a bad play or something. And he's like, I can't believe I did that. You know what I mean? And, of course. Um, but he, he really is cool and collected. He'll be uh, – I, uh, I was able to watch him when I was hurt. And I remember during the Vikings game, He's just on the side of the right go out. He's just moving left to right on left foot, right foot, just kind of like bobbing left and right, being ready to go out. And he didn't, he didn't look stressed at all and whatnot. And, and he he made some of the most amazing throws that game and had that amazing comeback. It was a total team effort, but um, it would have been crazy if we would have won that game. Just how much faith he has in in himself and the team has in him and the players have in him. I mean, you see all, like I see all the work he puts in. Not many people can say that because he's there before anyone else gets there. He's in the film room with the other quarterbacks. He's there. He's always doing something. He's always getting better and he's always working on himself to become better. And you see that on game days and he rarely makes the same mistake twice. And that's why he's such a great leader because he leads by example and um, I'll fall into war any day. There was um, a, a lineman for for you guys who I believe retired. You can maybe help me out with his name, but in in his um, little press Zach conference, what was that? Zach Street. Yes, he went on a little tangent where he got a little emotional, and if you were watching it and have any sort of a soul, yeah. it could make you emotional too. I know I was like I was oh, getting sure. the chills watching it myself, he, and he was just basically going off on how Drew Brees. Uh, he told the one story that that was pretty cool for me. He said how um, he, he he was ordering Drew Brees' dinner 
for him because he was putting in extra time and, and things like that. When you have a guy like that on your team, uh, especially you guys in New Orleans were kind of a young team, especially on the defensive end. Do you think having a guy like that on your team, just seeing him put in the work, whether he's talking about it or not, does that just lift the entire team up w- without a doubt? Yeah, and it's, it's, it's also contagious, man. You see that, you're like, geez, I, I need to be doing something right now. You know what I mean? Like, I should be doing that. And, like, maybe you do. You know what I mean? Then it starts making someone see you, then all of a sudden it's just a snowball effect, you know? And... Uh, I respect Drew so much and everything he's accomplished. He's earned everything. And for him to come back here and to sign with the Saints and to do his contract is a very utmost respect for him. And uh, I'm super excited to have him back as our quarterback. Yeah, of course. How can, how can you not be, right? Um, but s- switching over to defense, to, to your side of the ball, where you make your money. Um, the Saints, for a while, before you got there, uh, we're kind of known as an offensive team, and the defense was hit or miss. Year in and year out, you weren't sure what you were going to get. And that's kind of just honest. But they were they were known for Drew Brees throwing thousands of yards, yep. putting up 40 points a game or whatever they're doing. And then last year, you know, you guys all of a sudden – well, really the last two years, but more last year, all of a sudden you guys were defensive stalwarts, and people couldn't score on you. And the offense was still strong. And, like, obviously Kamara had an amazing season. Drew did a, a great job as, again – what was the switch, do you think, that led the Saints to become this defensive stalwart after being known for offense all these years? Um, I think a part of it is getting some key players. I mean, obviously, uh, Marcus Lattimore and uh, a couple of the guys stepped up, especially at corner and safety. Marcus, I mean, they had amazing Pro Bowl seasons and stuff like that. And, I mean, Cam Jordan was – doing what Cam Jordan does, you know what I mean? I mean, he had Pro Bowl season, but he's been doing that for the last three or four years, and now just people recognize it because of winning. And uh, there was just something about last year that we did some, uh, I mean, people probably overuse this, but swagger, you know what I mean? We were out there having fun. Uh, but that wasn't just game days. We did that in practice. We could compete against the would We would uh, intercept the ball. We would have fun during practice, you know, like dancing and, uh, enjoying our time being with our teammates. You know what I mean? I don't know if there's anyone in that locker room that would say they did not like coming to work. They Every day I enjoyed coming to work to, with the players and those teammates. And uh, going out and practice, that was just, just the same way. You know, and with, that carried over to the games. And when you play with that such uh, inspiration, the, the having fun and uh, – competing and seeing the success that just continues to uh, show to yourself like hey something's working something's clicking and you just it just keeps on getting better and better every week so it, it was really fun to see and that's why it was so frustrating for me being on the sidelines being able to see that from a fan perspective you know and uh, obviously I wish I could have helped out but um, at least I got four games in. Yeah, and then, but then, but then for the rest, man, you're just getting you got to get your body right, and then you come back, come back better than ever. Like, like you said, you'll be back. Um, but let's let's talk uh, quickly. Also, you know, it's funny you say the way you guys played with so much swag. You also practice with swag. That's something that gets lost from a fan's perspective, you know, because like I could think back to my high school coaches telling me a thousand times, not me specifically, but my team, a thousand times over, you can't flip a switch. You you play like you practice. You practice like you play. Yada yada yada. Mm-hmm. And, and then hearing it from you, man, it, it really is true. And people who are just fans of the league, 
we watch on Sundays, you know, we read stuff on Twitter and read articles, but we don't see the work that you guys put in every week. And when you know from the inside perspective that a team is having fun at practice, like that's a damn good sign. But but talking quickly about um about your game, so I didn't even know this until you told me earlier, but you weren't a, you weren't a linebacker until in college, basically, right? So then you come in to uh into the league in 2016. You're playing all over the place. You're playing special teams. You're playing uh, multiple positions of linebacker, really moving around the field. How, how do you balance, um, you know, learning the different positions, and how do you use your versatility to your advantage? Um, I mean, it, it's obviously difficult. I mean, it's uh, – but I, I, I enjoy it. I like the challenge, and I've always been – person who is like a yes kind of guy you know what i mean hey stupar do this okay stupar do that okay you know what i mean and i remember early on getting advice about like hey the more you can do the longer you'll stay and i remember like when i was with the falcons like i was playing mike and sam i mean uh mike and will and coach quinn comes up to me and he's like hey what do you think about sam you know i'm like Heck yeah. I go, yeah, I can play Sam. Put me in, coach. Put me in, coach. I go, I was a defensive end in high school. I go, I'm used to playing on the line. And uh, I played a little bit, Sam in OTAs or something like that. But then I kind of got moved to Mike and Will, so I didn't think anything of it. Then I was like, maybe they'll just see how I do. You know what I mean? And <laughs> I remember that year, um, I was playing special teams, and I think Brooks Reed was hurt. And uh, it was like a Wednesday practice. We're in meetings and stuff like that, about to go out to practice. And my linebacker coach said, this is week two against the Giants. He's like, oh, yeah, Stupa, you're, you're, you're starting Sam this week. I turn around and look at him. <laughs> kind of like, what? <laughs> because I, haven't, I, didn't play, I didn't play Sam like maybe like a day or two in OTAs and maybe five reps in preseason. I look at him. He goes, Stupa, are you okay? You good? I'm like, yeah. But in my head, I'm like, I wish you had told me like two, three days ago so I could do some studying. <laughs> it would have got my head in that playbook a little harder. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like I knew the position, you know, I, I, I mentally I knew everything. It's just you. there's a difference between playing on the line and playing off the ball. Absolutely. And I, I went and played a great game and everything like that. I had seven tackles, uh, did really well that game. My, my parents came because it was like my first start as, in my career. And uh, um, then later that, that year, I – need to play will then one game i had to play mike so i mean it's just something where the more you can do and i take pride in that knowing all the positions even you know what nickel is doing or what the safeties are doing or defensive linemen you know it just if you know all those spots you can play all the spots you know you can hey this guy's playing hook curl this guy's playing hook curl i gotta have the curl fly if i'm over here kind of thing you know right and fill in the um, blanks basically yeah, and it's been working out. I mean, I'm going on year seven, killing on special teams, and uh, I just do my job and make make plays when I have to when I play defense, and simple as that. Yeah, man, I saw something that you tweeted. Uh, it was very, it was a very simple, eloquent tweet. All you used was one little emoji, but it was a it was a quote tweet. And that, I want to get to this for a hot second here. So there's a couple of rule changes popping through the NFL right now, right? Mm -hmm. And as a said special teams guy and a guy who plays defense, it kind of seems like some of these rules are uh, going against your 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 pride and joy. 
do you feel like the defense is getting left behind in these rule changes a little bit? It's been like that for the past 10 years. I mean, it is what it is. You know, we just got to make do. I mean, you can't complain about it. You know what I mean? You just got to go and do your job and do it the best of your ability. Obviously, the game is changing. They're caring about more of our protection. Uh, but, I mean, it is what it is. You just got to adapt to it. And, uh, yeah, it stinks. But, I mean, I mean, where else are you guys supposed to hit the guy? You know what I mean? I guess yeah. I'll just grab him by his arm and try to tackle him. <laughs> Adapt and survive, it seems like, as well. Another thing, real quick, we don't need to talk about this for too long, but uh, fans really really enjoyed freaking out about the catch rule uh, the past year or two. Is that something yeah. the players were also freaking out about? That Did you guys feel oh like you were gosh. in the dark? Like, What was that about for you guys? I'm so glad they finally changed it because <laughs> I remember when Jesse, when Jesse James, I, I know Jesse, and he plays for the Steelers, and when yep. – they called that ball incomplete. I'm like, are you kidding me? I go, he caught the ball, made a move, and turned around, and as soon as he crossed the goal line, it's a touchdown, regardless. You know what I mean? What if some guy catches the ball going out of bounds and reaches across the pylon? They call it a touchdown. That's, an, that's a – you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, the consistency. Like it's so frustrating. It should be a common sense rule. You see it? Oh, did he catch the ball? Was he bobbling it all, blah, blah, blah? Okay, he caught the ball. Okay, I don't care if it touched the ground a little bit. He has control with both hands. Who cares if the ball touches the ground? Did not help that much that he caught it to help catch it. You know what I mean? Of course, man. I mean, I'm with you yeah. because I don't want to come on this podcast anymore and have to talk about a damn catch rule. Like, <laughs> I want to talk yeah, about football. Changed, I want to talk about sports. <laughs> it changed. It changed too many outcomes. Way too many outcomes. For real. So hopefully it's a little simpler this year. Uh, but a couple more things I want to get to before I, I don't want to keep you too long. I don't know how busy you are at the moment. But um, the NFL draft obviously has been a huge topic of conversation uh, this mm-hmm. year. I don't know. It always I, is. I don't, yeah, it always is. But maybe because there's a couple extra quarterbacks in this first round. I don't know what it is. But it's been crazy. So I just want to ask you, can you give a little rundown to our listeners here? What was the combine like? Like, was it absolutely insane? Did you get asked any crazy questions, or is it just a madhouse where you're trying to show off, like a show out? It is – the best way to describe it feels like that you're a bunch of cows <laughs> and you're just going place to place and they're seeing which one is the best one. You know what I mean? Like, you feel like cattle a little bit. But, I mean, it was a great experience to be able to meet – buddies like that you're still friends with now i remember uh i got drafted to the raiders with uh miles burris and we ended up being on the same team and uh we had a good time at the combine and stuff like that like you get me really good players and stuff like that and uh for me it was a chance to show what i got i mean i didn't i didn't start four years or three years i didn't have my huge name coming out of college and and uh going out and testing and showing who I am as a player in the open field and doing drills. I mean, I feel like that's another reason why I got drafted. So it obviously gives a kid like me who doesn't have a shot in the dark a chance, you know. Absolutely. And, and I, I was on the I was on the bubble too. I didn't I wasn't even with the first round of getting asked. They kind of hey you're on the bubble you gotta wait for it to see how many juniors declare for the draft. I'm like please don't. Juniors, you know, <laughs> stay for your senior yeah, year. It's worth it. <laughs> yeah, and so I get the call, and I go to the draft. Have a, have a great. Uh, I go to the combine. Have a great combine. Killed it. 
Yeah, I was I was at the fastest forty times. This is Cam Jordan makes fun of me for posting my video of my <laughs> combine on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, I seen that on Instagram. I saw it. <laughs> I'm like, what hey, do you mean? Going on year seven, baby. Going on year seven. It's, it's got you. Uh, I see on Pro Football Reference. Now correct me if I'm wrong. It has you as your combine running a four six five. That's not too shabby. Oh, uh, then you're looking at the wrong time. <laughs> <laughs> I think I ran like a four seven eight or something electric, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm definitely faster than that." It was, uh, I was, I was surprised when we got to the combine, and uh, you had to have your feet behind the line. I, I didn't know, so I had to change up my whole entire stance on the fly. Oh wow! Like that. So kind of freaked me out. Hey, yeah, well, someone yeah. at Pro Football Reference is looking out for Nate Stupar, man. He's got you at yeah, a four six five. That. <laughs> Shout out. Shout out Pro Football Reference. Uh, all right, one one more thing on the draft. If you can go back right now, like so current 30-year-old Nate, right, what piece yep. of advice could you give yourself going into that draft process? And also, you know, you can mention that advice to, say, somebody who's in the draft right now. Um, I would have to say be like what I've been doing right now, grind. The first year is a grind, man doing all the rookie stuff, the rookie rookie things you have to do on the team that you get to, the um, the meetings you have to go to. Um, it, it's The first year is just such a grind. And just stick with it and learn as many linebacker or whatever positions you can and kill on special teams. Because if you can kill on special teams, you can be a heck of a backup or even a starter. Because if you're not a first one, two, three, or maybe fourth round. You're gonna, you're gonna be more of a special teams for your career, you know. Yeah. So you gotta do the dirty work. Rarity. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I told that to Jason Kaminda. He's coming out this year, and uh, he actually took some of my advice before the season. He he got on some special teams and did some special teams during the season. Uh, I mean, that's that's a humble thing to be the starter on defense and be a, be a captain and be a leader and stuff like that and then go play special teams. I go, it just shows you, you nothing can be like too little for you. You know what I mean? Any position is a great position. You know, that's how I take it. That, I mean, it sounds like good advice, honestly. Like if this guy, he may be the, the starter in his college team, he may be the captain, like you said, at the next level, it's a clean slate. They don't care what you did in college anymore. They want to see what you can do now. And if he has the experience yep. on special teams, man, that could help. Um, yep. So you, you know, you said special teams. You're doing the dirty work. You're doing all you can. Is that where the the nickname Nasty Nate came from? <laughs> um, <laughs> Nasty Nate came from. Uh, we did. Me and my cousin. We went to uh, Colorado for a Christian camp kind of thing and uh me and uh him became friends with uh john who john mish he was a linebacker at michigan state and my cousin he's a lacrosse player he played for cup or something uh my rookie year and we we had nicknames for each other his was jolly john because he was always happy and mine was nasty nate because uh i weighed like 243 at the time and heavy and uh again i played football you know right and uh my cousin was dirty dan he didn't like it so much (laughs) and so that's that's where it came from that's nasty nate and dirty dan i love it Uh, yeah so uh, 
that's where it kind of originated from. But uh, it just kind of stuck. I made my Twitter handle, and all of a sudden, I never changed it. So I love it. Actually, that's something I should have mentioned earlier, but never too late. Uh, if you want to hit up Nate Stupar on Twitter and Instagram, it's at the Nasty Nate Fifty Four. I'll mention that again uh, later on. Uh, also, a, a little hashtag you like using. I know you're 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 semi-active on social media. You're not super duper active, but you definitely put your two cents in. You drop your posts and pictures of your family on Instagram. <laughs> but it's it's all about the hashtag Stoop Life, is it? Is it not? Yes, sir. It's all about the hashtag Stoop Life. And Every, that, everyone did, at the building usually calls me, "Hey, Stoop Life," <laughs> and I'll be like, "Hashtag," or they're like, "Oh, hashtag Stoop Life," <laughs> and that actually came from when I was in Jacksonville. Uh, Winston guy, he was a safety for the for the Jags, and he would always call me, "Hey, what up, Stoop Life, Stoop Life?" And I'm like, "Hey, that has a nice little ring to it." And so I just started hashtagging it, and just became a fun a fun hashtag because I feel like it represents who I am pretty well. Because I'm a corny, fun, loving guy, like I said earlier, and um, that's my personality. And I mean, it's it's people who say it, I know they're kind of like having fun with it, you know what I mean, half serious and stuff like that, but uh, it's fun. I enjoy it. That's great. And now uh, also, I want to get to this as well. I'm sure now more than ever, this has been really huge for you, but you mentioned them earlier. You know, you have a wife, you have two kids. How big was it to have them as your biggest fans, not only while you were playing, but now going through this this ACL rehab process? What's it been like to have them by your side? Uh, It's always always a blessing to – able to look up and see them up in the stands i mean sometimes they're like daycare and stuff like that but to be able to go and grab your daughter and to kiss her after a game and just having amazing support from the wife when i'm gone most of the days when they're long days and she's home with two kids and uh it's amazing i mean it was it was a challenging time during the season when i tore my acl because we just had our second one and uh maddie she she was not a happy baby. She had a lot of like stomach kind of like her the breast milk wasn't really sitting well, so she was always gassy and upset and crying. And as much as my ACL sucked, it was also a blessing in disguise because I was able to be home with my wife, supporting her and helping with the baby and helping our like our relationship. You know what I mean? Because it was a, it was a tough time with two kids me going to work coming home and stuff like that so um it it definitely helped having that extra time not always have to go and be in that practice and stuff like that all the time so it was it was definitely a blessing in disguise as much as it stunk but uh i I tend to try to look at the good in the storms you know and praise praise god in in the storm and see what he kind of uh is trying to teach you and to work on and stuff like that because those are the reason why he brings storms upon your life is to see where you're at in your faith and to see how you'll react and it's all about your reaction and um you can piss and moan about something but i mean that's not gonna help anything so um i felt i had a really good spirit uh about when i tore me acl and uh being there for my wife too and she being there for me kind of having each other's backs and I think I only cried one time, and that was after uh, I got the call that I actually tore my ACL after he looked at the MRI, and I I was going upstairs to read a a book to my daughter, and I had to read the pout-pout fish to her, and I'm crying while I'm reading the pout-pout fish. Oh, man. 
<laughs> yeah, try try to read the Pow Pow Fish without crying. <laughs> well, you took the words out of my mouth, man. I mean, I was gonna say right before you did. It seems like you're the type of guy looking for the silver lining, trying to make any situation the best as possible. So that's why uh, I, I sit here confident to say that when you said I'll be back, you will be back, and that's awesome. And you, mm-hmm. you, you now you didn't ask me to like bring this up or anything like that, um, but I, I saw it when I was doing some research on you and your life and your career and whatnot. So I, I felt obligated to bring it up because I think it's really awesome. So you and your wife, Marissa, actually have a little foundation. It's called um, the, the State of Hope Foundation and uh, helps yeah. dis- disabled uh, children and, and, and different things. So t- take a moment. Talk about that. What, what, driven, what drove you to do that, and what has it meant to you? I always wanted to uh, make a foundation to help kids. You know, um, I'm a very fun-loving person. My wife, she worked with Big Brothers Big Sisters when she was uh, out of college and stuff like that before uh, the NFL journey. And we just have a passion for kids and helping them in low-income family homes, uh, single-parent homes, and just less fortunate situations. And uh, I just never knew where to start. And I remember one year, my buddy Joe Gazza and his wife, flew down to New Orleans to come to Drew Brees' event and uh, come hang out. And we were talking by the pool one day. And I'm like, I always wanted to start one, but I never knew where and didn't know what to do. He goes, dude, I can help you out with that. I go, really? He goes, yeah, I'd love to do that, get involved in that, blah, blah, blah. And I mean, literally like two months later, we had like an LLC or 501c3 for the, the foundation. And Joe Gazza, uh, he's the president right now, and he's – He's such a hardworking man and very dedicated man, very passionate. And um, I won't want anyone else running the foundation besides him. He's a very trustworthy man and he's a man of his word. And he's, he's also funny and yet serious. And we can banter back and forth. But the, at, at the end of the day, we always say, hey, we're just trying to find the cheese. We're in a maze and we're, we're a mouse and we're just trying to find the cheese together. And so uh, very glad he, he flew down and help with the foundation because uh we're doing really great stuff with the foundation with a backpack program called a carry on program to give backpacks to foster kids in the center county area we're helping with uh, t-shirts and gifts during christmas for uh, park forest day preschool we're helping with meals on the weekends for kids who don't have food um we got some we got a uh, um some good things brewing and we're really excited about it. And we have our golf tournament coming up June 30th in State College, Pennsylvania. Hey, there you our go. Annual celebrity golf tournament. Bringing it close and, to home. Uh, yeah, yes, sir. And uh, last year was a blast, and we're expected to hopefully double this year in four sons and continue to grow each and every year. That's fantastic, man. Um, really, that, that's like it's an amazing thing to hear when you hear somebody who made it, living out their dream, and now also doing what they can to help some other people. So if you ever got anything going on in the New York or greater New York area, you got your friends at Sports Blog New York, man. We'd love to uh, help out in whatever way possible. Hey, uh, come get a four, some come golf. Oh, over by Penn State, man. I might have to reach out. Well, I'll have uh, I'll reach out to the people, the people that matter. Make that make that happen. Um, www.stateofhopefoundation.org backslash events. That's awesome. I'll also post that on our website uh, in, in the link for this podcast as well. That'll be that'll be in there for sure. Now, all right, man, I, I, I don't want to hold you too much longer, so I have one more question. This one's a fun one. Nothing to do with football. Outside of football, maybe even a little bit, because, you know, you mentioned you love spending time with your family and your kids and stuff like that. 
what are what are your non-football hobbies, man? What what keeps you occupied? <laughs> what how do you have fun off the field? What what really drives you uh, hobby wise? Um, I would say when I get free time, I enjoy playing video games, and I've been getting into the Fortnite craze. Oh, lately. there you go. And the reason why I like playing it so much is because I'm not that very good at it, and that's that's hard for me to say because I'm really good at like I'm. I'm not really good. I'm, I'm decent. I know what I'm doing. I play really well when like playing Halo or uh, Call of Duty and those type of games. But compared to Fortnite, it's, it's third person, so I'm kind of getting used to that. And I play with my brother. I'm usually the better video game player. And my brother Robbie has been showing really, like, really good skill in Fortnite. And he's like, I don't know how. He goes, I'm just good at like killing people. And I'm, <laughs> that, that's what I struggle with. And uh, so it's very humbling for me, and it just I'm like, oh, I just want to practice more. I just want to practice more. Is the Fortnite craze across pro sports? I won't even say the NFL. Across pro sports, I yeah. know NBA guys. Oh, no doubt. It's, it's real, right? It's such a fun game. Uh, obviously, I'm doing free advertisement for them right now, but <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a free game. You don't have to pay for it, and it's across like all platforms. I'm excited when it comes to hopefully the Nintendo Switch, and yeah. I've been playing on my phone too. I think I play better on my phone than I do on the uh, Xbox. I was gonna say, are you a but, PS4 or an Xbox guy, man? I'm sorry to uh, hear. I have, I'm, both, I have I have both. All my friends are on Xbox. All right, understood. I'm a, I'm a PS4 guy, but most of my friends play on Xbox too, so I gotta pick and choose my yeah. spots. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Nate, man, this has been fantastic. Again, <laughs> Nate Stupar, New Orleans Saints linebacker, coming back stronger than ever. Hopefully this season sure. after a tough injury, dude. Thank you for doing this. You have any any last words? Anything to say to the Sports Blog New York podcast? Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, hope you have a great rest of your day. About to go on a date with my wife. Oh, that's and beautiful. And God bless. Take care. And hashtag Stoop Life. Hashtag Stoop Life. That's beautiful. I hope I didn't push your date back too long. Tell Marissa I apologize. I will. <laughs> All right, Nate. We hope to see you on the field. You have a great, great season. Continue rehab and keep getting stronger. And thank you for doing this, man. Thank you. Take care.